Fuel your Rockets news. This is the Rocket Fuel podcast, and I am your co-host, Lashar Binkley. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops, and I am a staff writer for the Dream Shake, so you can always find my written words there. Um, today, I have a, a special co-host with me today, Mr. Dave Hardy of Clutch Fans. How you doing today, Dave? Good, Lashar. How are you? I'm doing great. And as we actually did a podcast together, but this is actually our first one as co-host. So sure. I definitely appreciate you joining me today. Well, my and of course, we have a, a special, special guest, Mr. Tobias Bass. We actually spoke previously before on another podcast. It's the first time he's here on Rocket Fuel, and I definitely appreciate him coming on. Um, he is also uh on the athletic. He's one of probably the most plugged in people I know as far as when it comes to high school and college basketball, constantly breaking news, just recently broke some news about Texas Tech. So definitely excited about having uh, Tobias on today. So first off, how you doing today? Doing well, man. How about yourself? Oh, man, I'm doing good. And before we get too far into it, why don't you let everybody uh, know, you know a little bit about you, um, how you kind of got started. And, I mean, you have content everywhere, so why don't you kind of just let us know about, about yourself a little bit. Um, so when I was at Texas Tech, I um I ended up writing for the actual the newspaper there for a little bit. Um, we had some conflicting interests, so they actually let me go. This was 2016, I believe. Okay. So from there, um, now I'm in college. You know, you're trying to just get it any way possible. I worked at a couple yeah. of other places. Ended up finding a home at the radio station there, KTXT 88.1, the Raider. Did radio there and was the lead editor there for two years. Really enjoyed it, loved it. Got to cover the uh, Final Four in Minneapolis when Texas Tech went to the National Championship. Oh, okay. um, came home February of 2020. We know what happened. Yes, After that, wow. the, the world completely changed. Um, so pretty much at that point, man, it was just pretty much me being a self-starter. I started my own podcast. I was interviewing um, athletes from yeah. all over. That's actually how you and I met at the time. Yes, we doing yeah, I remember. Yeah, so I was doing that, man. I was actually at one point I was working three jobs, believe it or not. I was working at Lowe's part time, NBC part time, and I was being a scout as well for some college teams as well. So yeah. I was just trying to find any way I could to get into the business. And luckily, about two weeks ago, I got blessed enough yeah. to come at home with the athletic, and I'm loving every minute of it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I remember, yeah, we've been, um, I've been knowing you probably for like a, a couple of years now. And yeah. I, I, I remember, man, you used to be all over the place. You know, you'd be going to tournaments here and then yeah. you'd be doing podcasts <laughs> yeah. here and writing here. Definitely. So, definitely. man, definitely congratulations on that because you, you definitely you. Really de definitely you, deserve sir. it. Yes, sir. Thank um, you. Yeah, for sure. And and that's another reason why I want to have you on because I remember we talked last year before uh, the draft that the Rockets had before they brought on Jalen Green. Uh, we were talking about all the prospects back then. And that's definitely why I want to have you on again today. Um, talking about some of the prospects that are, you know, that come up in this next draft. That, of course, the Rockets have another high uh, draft pick, the number three pick and a number mm -hmm. 17 pick. Um, so it's kind of where I want to start. Um, I want to kind of get your top five because, of course, I know mm -hmm. you've been following all these players for 
you know, years just even beyond college or beyond the G League. You've been following them for a while. So I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to get what your top five is. And, then, of course, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Rockets number three pick. Um, well, for me, I guess I have to rank them in order. I'm a big, big Paolo guy. I think that he's, I think, I think that he's, I think that he's the best player in the draft. I get why people will say Jabari Smith and the, the big three. I mean, they're all really good players in Paolo, uh, Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren. So I would go Paolo, Jabari, Chet, Jaden Ivey at four. And then I'm a big fan of Benedict McThorne from uh, Arizona. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And I know Dave, you know, he's uh, definitely been on the Jabari train for a while. So. Sure. No, but I, it's actually really good to, to talk to you because, I mean, at least right now, I mean, we have a little less than a month to go before the draft um, and the Rockets are third. But the, the speculation is that that Paolo will be third. Now, right. we don't know if that's going to be the case, but right now it looks like Chet and Jabari in some order are going to go one and two. You have mm-hmm. Paolo n- number one on your board. How, how do you see him? Uh, in the league, do you think this is a guy who could be, for example, a primary facilitator, primary playmaker? And if not, like an efficient scorer, how do you envision him sort of becoming a star or a very effective player in the league? I think, for, I guess for me, why I have him number one on my board is just, one, the versatility, and I think some of the efficiency. Jabbar, I mean, he really can shoot it and he really can score it. He's a super unique talent, but I think that sometimes he can fall – a little bit too in love with the jumper, and that's why you've seen that he was able to struggle. But I see, like, I think with Paolo, it's going to be the fit. I think fit is more important than talent. I think that's in any league, especially in the NBA. So you find the right fit for these guys, I think that they'll be more suited. But speaking with just Paolo, I think that he could be both a facilitator and a scorer at the same time. You saw in the uh, tournament they played against Tech. Tech has one of the best defenses, one of the best defensive teams in the country. And the way he was able to get by his defender – you know, and make the right play with both hands in the middle of the lane was impressive because you often see, I don't know why, but college kids, they love running into each other, especially when the other <laughs> one try to take yeah. charges. He was one of the few, especially at his size, I was actually very impressed to see how he was able to get by his defender, slow down, and make the right read as well. So that really impressed me. So I think if you put him on the right team, especially, you know, maybe the Rockets at three, I think I would really love that fit there. And let Go me – well, I was just going to ask you a little bit more about Paolo because I know the main concern has been about his defense. Do you right. think that it's just more of a lack of effort, not necessarily his ability, that he actually right. has the ability to be – I mean, not necessarily a lockdown defender, but definitely more of a plus defender and not somebody that teams are going to hunt. And when we see that a lot in the playoffs, that really weak defenders, they – they make it a point to hunt those players right. out in pick and roll situations. Do you think it's just more of a, was a lack of effort at Duke as far as his defense? I think it was definitely a lack of effort. I mean, defense is predominantly effort and length. He has one of those, which is length. He's 6'10", and he can move. He has mobility in his hips. I think it was just a big part of effort. And then, too, when you have a Mark Williams as your back line, yeah. it's easy to get a little bit lazy defensively because you know, well, if he if he gets bombing, Mark's going to challenge everything at the rim. You have – Wendell Moore, who was really good on ball. A.J. Griffin could guard, could guard a position as well. So I think the majority of that was effort. You mentioned a fit, like the best fit for them. What do you think, um, like, for example, for Paolo to, to really succeed at a high level, what are the kind of best type of players that you think maybe need to be around him? Like you mentioned Mark Williams. Is, right. is it going to be a priority to have a high um, – you know, high-profile rim protector, for example, next to him, a 3-and-D wing. Anything in particular that strikes you as the right fit uh, with Paolo? I mean, with the defensive issue, I think a, a good low, a good defensive center would definitely help. But also offensively, you need a – I would prefer a combo guard because you can see, you know, 
him with the with the guard that can create his own shot and pass it as well, they're going to be dynamic in the pick and roll, pick and pop because he can not only shoot it, but he also can catch and finish around the rim. So, and even with Paolo, I think you could even see it reverse. You could kind of see a big, small type of thing as well because he has the ability to put the ball on the floor and make those correct decisions. So, I mean, just you know, this is a Rockets podcast, so if you even saw him with the Rockets. I, I mean, it would be cool to see Jalen Green as he progresses with his ball handling and with his playmaking more, more so. I would like to see a, a Jalen Green, Paolo, you know, pick and pop, pick, pick and roll type of thing. I think that would be really cool. I mean, you could even see it maybe with Paolo bringing the ball up the court sometimes. And, and I guess we're kind of sticking with the, the theme of how they would feel with the Rockets. Um, I also want to ask you about Chet. It hasn't been as much talk about Chet around, you know, Rockets Twitter and when it comes to the Rockets because a, a lot of people are assuming that he's going to be probably the first right. or second pick. But we don't know that for sure. Anything can happen. Um, I've heard some rumbling that maybe – uh, the number two pick may be in play and OKC may mm. trade out of the number two pick and that could right. change a lot of things. So what would be your opinion? What's kind of your opinion of Chet's overall? Because we all know that the main thing people have a problem with is his frame right. and the fact that he's, you know, he's slight. He doesn't have as much weight as other centers in the league. But from what I think I've seen, he is probably one of the most confident yeah, um, yes, prospects yes. coming into the coming into the NBA. So, what's kind of your overall feel of Chet, and do you see his frame as being a problem once he gets into the NBA? I think it'll definitely be an adjustment, but he has a good frame to add on the weight. He has a very good frame. I think that he will add weight over time. It's just going to just be one of those things. But I think he has probably one of the highest floors in this draft, just simply because of how good he is defensively. Because you know, even if the jumper's not falling, we know that he's going to probably be a very, very good defensive player. He can switch on the perimeter. He blocks shots at a high level and just the ability to block shots without fouling is going to be so important for him as well. And then, sure, he's small or light, but, I mean, you look, you even look at the two – well, the Boston, assuming Boston wins today, look at the centers in there. Like, some of these guys are undersized. You know, Mark Williams is very strong. He's still 6'9". You know, you have some of these guys. They're not big. The Warriors right now are playing pretty much – Outside of Kevin Lee, they don't have another center. Sure, so, yeah. so, I mean, some of these centers they're playing, some of these teams are playing small. So, Chet's ability to be to play on the perimeter on offense could could affect him, could be a plus side for him as well because I don't think many heavy centers could probably guard him on the perimeter as well. So, sure, he might get bullied on defense, but on offense, I think that he can even present an even bigger issue because he can shoot the three. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask, in this draft, the Rockets also have pick number 17. Is there anybody? I mean, I don't necessarily. I don't know if necessarily you have a board ranked, but is there somebody that you look at in this draft that you would maybe put higher than consensus? You say, "Hey, this guy, I think he's better than than where your average ranking uh, is." I have a few guys. Uh, Mark Williams. I'm a big, big, big Mark Williams fan. I think whatever whatever team does decide to draft him, I think the Rockets. He would be a perfect fit if he's and he should be there around there. I think so. He just fits. He's seven one. Block shots, high rebound, high um, high rebound guy, and he's a guy you don't have to run plays for. You can just pretty much tell him to go out there and play, and he's gonna do that. You saw a scout today; he said that if he saw um, Mark Williams, if he put him, if you put him in the, you put him in the gym with like a um, a Jabarisman, he thought that that or no, not excuse me, Jalen Durant. He thought that uh, Mark Williams would outwork Jalen Durant simply because of his effort and his work ethic. So wow, I think I think that. I think that he could be the type of player. I think that Mark Williams is going to be a starting center in this league. I think his his measurements at the combine kind of stunned everybody. Yeah. You know, there was talk of of seven seven wingspan, but then right. you know, measured seven six and a half, but it was the height because I think there was talk of him maybe only being 
I say only, but you know, six ten or something right, like that. Right. He measures you know over seven feet right. without shoes. So um, I agree with you. I think that's that's sort of the buzz right now is whether Williams might actually surpass Duran in in right. uh, you know in the in the draft. So excellent points. Yeah, and I also want to kind of ask you along those lines of the seventeenth pick. Do you see any players that you that if you're the Rockets and they're maybe tenth, eleventh, or twelfth? Do you see any player in that range where you'd be like, okay? I would personally, if I was running that team, I would trade up to get this particular player. Or do you just see it as more like, well, the players are really not a huge difference between maybe 12 to 17 and maybe you should just stick where you are in the draft? This draft is very interesting because this is probably, I mean, we'll see. They still have to get on the floor, but on paper today, I think this is probably one of the more weaker drafts we've seen okay. in the last couple of years, especially, I mean, look at some of the ones you've had recently. You have, you're going to have several All-NBA guys in some of these drafts we've had recently. So, with that being said, I mean, at 17, I kind of like where you're at because the Rockets are an interesting spot. They have two guard positions pretty much filled. You know, you don't yeah. you don't necessarily need a guy you're one and two as of today. You know, unless maybe you feel that you can upgrade, but without doing a significant upgrade, I think they're fine in that area. You have a top, you have a top three pick, so in whatever position you need there, you're going to fill that immediately. So three of your five positions – are pretty much you you have they just all about developing. So if I was them, if I get to that 13, 14 ish range and Mark Williams is still there, then maybe I can try to see myself moving because I, I really think he's gonna be a, a good player. And that's something that they need. You put him with his teammate Paolo, I think they're gonna be a, they would be a really good fit together. What are your thoughts on Tari Eason at LSU? Because you know he he came into the combine, measured like just ridiculous Kawhi like hands, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, six eight, um, very you know, he's got good athleticism, yeah. but there has to be some sort of knock here that I'm missing. I know going left is an issue uh, for him, or and using his left hand a little bit, but I feel like there's got to be something bigger for him to be. There's talk of him maybe sliding, and it seems like just with the measurables and his production at LSU that he would be a surefire like top ten or you know late lottery pick. I think with him, some of it was just mental. Sometimes I think that he would overthink the play, like a simple play would be there, and I think that he would kind of try to force it to do a little bit too much. They were a team that really did struggle to score offensively, and he was, you know, one of the bright spots. But, you know, with a guy like that, they did struggle to score offense. He's very, very good defensively. He has a lot of potential in that area. But I think it's just going to be the mental focus with him. Um, Because I think in another draft, I don't know if he would be a – top 10 pick. He, he is a good player. I just don't know if this particular draft, it just, it just has to be that way. And with so many guys, some of these guys, you know, in the, in the, um, in the tournament, they really did hurt themselves. So some players that you might've seen in that 15 to 10 range, they failed. They're now in the twenties. Some of them even mm-hmm. went back to school. Interesting. Yeah. And I kind of want to circle back to when we were talking about uh, the top, top of the draft and uh, we also, we already talked to kind of a little bit about Chet Holmgren. We talked about Paulo Bancaro. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Jabari Smith. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you were mentioning that while what I want to actually really ask you was some people see the fact that he can make tough shots as something that may benefit mm-hmm. him in the NBA. Then some people see that as well. He doesn't have the ability to get to the basket um, as easy as he should be able to. Do you see him being able to prove that in the NBA or is he just going to be more like a a standstill coming, coming off of screens type of shooter to where – you're not going to really be able to depend on him getting his own shot um, at different times throughout the game. I think that he'll definitely be able to show it. I think some of the issue was at Auburn where they didn't give him the ball enough. They didn't give him the ball enough in positions where he was easy for him to score. 
their two point guards, they were like wild cards. You know, when they were making shots, they were like, wow, this could be the, arguably the best team in the country. But, you know, yeah. on the other side of the coin, you saw it the last the SEC game, that kid, he broke a record, I think, for the most consecutive missed shots in the game. So you see both sides of the coin and you have a guy that could potentially go number one overall. He's screaming for the ball underneath the basket with a mismatch. And sometimes they wouldn't give it to him. So some of those easier shots that I think he would have been able to get or just mismatch, he could have um, exploited. He just didn't get the ball in there. But I do think that I do I do think that he will be able to prove he's gonna to have to get a little bit stronger. Shot selection is gonna to have to get better, but he'll learn it over time. I think teams are gonna just let him shoot the ball. He's gonna to have to be able to put the ball on the floor and finish around the rim consistently. Yeah, the, I ask you a little bit about college here for a second. How much has the transfer portal and NIL <clears throat> changed things for college basketball? You know, the G League now is kind of competition. You've got uh, overtime elite, things like that. Mm-hmm. Is it is it tougher for uh, the league to get, gain that talent? Or, or excuse me, the league, uh, you know, NCAA? Or is it now much easier because of, of you know, transfer portal and the NIL? Or, yeah. I think, I, I, to be honest, I think the NIL and the transfer portal has changed college basketball like nothing we've ever seen before. I mean, you had, what, over 1,600 guys enter the portal, and I think there's 800 left or 600 left. And, uh-huh. and I mean, Kids are going to be in, kids are going to be on campus this weekend. Those incoming freshmen, those transfers, they're 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 going to be boarding planes today, tomorrow, going to school. So a lot of those kids, unfortunately, they're they're not they're not going they're not going to have a, have a school right now. So yeah, there was yeah. sixteen hundred kids that went in. There's eight hundred and twenty six left. So half. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. so you you look at it just. From that perspective, I mean, then and it, and it kind of it hurts. It hurts freshmen. I think right now it's just it's like the new pretty girl on the block. You know, you see her for the first time and she's so beautiful. Oh my God, we've never seen this woman before. But then over time, once you see her for a while, you're like, oh, you know, she looks good, but you know, and she might not be the one for me. And I think that's kind of what this is right now. But right now, yeah. the portal, she's hot. She is hot, and you know, it's as hot as it gets. And I think over time it will adjust back. But right now, this is just what it is at the moment. And and speaking of one of the things that they mentioned was about the the G League. And, of course, we've seen players like we know very well, Jalen Green, that took full advantage of that. Um, Skip College, he recently came out and said he actually had a couple of teams that he was thinking about going to, but uh, that he ultimately made the right decision going to the G League. Do you see that as something that more players are going to look to get into, or is it really more still of a special circumstance where you're only going to really have the top players that are even going to consider moving to the G League, and it's ultimately is not going to really affect the NCAA. Or do you see it going the other way that more and more players are going to start picking the G League and the new you know, overtime elite uh, league that's about to start back start up for the first time? As far as the G League, they're only taking well so far two years. They've only taken about five to six players roughly. Yeah. So I think that um, I mean with the NIA that that helped narrow the gap because if the college didn't do that, I think you're going to just see open season. I think you're going to see a bunch yeah. of kids um, doing that type of thing. But I think, it, I think it's interesting. I think for the overtime elite, their biggest test is going to be see what players they get drafted and how successful they're going to be in their first two to three years. Because if they go in and they're struggling, you know, that might, that might not, that might not be for me. I mean, even look at the NBL, how many players have you seen in the past 10 years where they've gone overseas first and been successful? LaMelo Ball is one. You saw Brandon Jennings would probably be the other. Outside of that, it's a lot of hit and miss. Emmanuel Moutier is out the league before he's 26. You have um, mm-hmm. you have, you have a bunch of players. They just weren't able to come in and just be as successful as they thought. So I think it's just a 
hit or miss hit or miss type of thing, but it's it's definitely interesting for sure. You know, you mentioned the this draft being a little bit weaker, and I, I would agree with that for sure. Um, at least the buzz is next year that's not the case, right? right. The, the 23 draft is is fairly loaded. Um, you've got Victor Wembanyama overseas. You've got Scoot Henderson in the G League, yeah. the Thompson Twins in overtime elite. Who in college? Who are, do you feel are going to be that the guys that are talked about as far as top five, top six, top seven picks in next year's draft? Um, I think I'm going to be biased. We, we, we're Texas boys here, so I'm going to look at guys like um, Anthony Black, yeah. Casey okay. Wallace specifically. Like Anthony Black, he's a six seven. He played a lot of point guard in high school. I don't think he'll be that at the next level. He'll probably be more of a wing, but he could almost create a unique situation for himself. So he's six seven, former four star um, football player. Actually, hmm. he he's he has probably the, he's probably the best standstill passer. Definitely in his class and probably some of the, one of the best that I've seen in a very long time. And he's super athletic. He probably has touching a 40-inch vertical. He's probably very close. So the fact that you could put him on the wing and have another guy that can create shots for others without even having to dribble, that's going to be very, you know, very unique for him. You look at um, Casey Wallace, he kind of – he really reminds people of Drew Holiday. Physical defender, makes the right play, and he he just kills you with simplicity. You know, the game is super simple for him. He doesn't make it too hard, you know. He may come down, shoot a three. Next time, he may backdoor you for a dunk. He's just super, super high IQ player. So, I think that class has a bunch of bunch of talented players in it. And you're going to have some unique bigs in there. Khalil Ware, he's seven foot with the jumper. He can put the ball on the floor. So, there's going to be a bunch of talented guys in there. Yeah. yeah Duke has got like three five star recruits. Right. I think, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And actually, I want to kind of get a little bit more on that to the second segment because I was actually was going to ask you about players like Derek Lively and see what your opinion on them was because. You know, we've talked a lot of bit. Of, a lot of people talk a lot about the top of the next year draft, but it's just so. It seems like a lot deeper draft, of course, um, than we're going to have this year. And also, right. like in the second segment, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, some of the the Rockets rookies from last year. Some of the players that we talked about um, uh, in our last podcast uh, before last year's draft. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely want to uh, get Tobias' opinion on that. So uh, please stick around. And welcome back to Rocket Fuel Podcast. We are joined by Mr. Tobias Bass of The Athletic. And, you know, in the first segment, we were talking definitely a lot about uh, the the top of the draft and number 17 pick. Um, we also got a little bit into uh, next year's draft, which is supposed to be uh, one of the best drafts in recent memories that a lot of people are excited about. Some Rockets fans are even dreaming about tanking already, but uh, that's a whole other story. We probably won't get into that too much right now. But I want to kind of continue what we were talking about with uh, next year's draft. Um, and I mentioned a little bit about Derek Lively. He's another one um, that's possibly could be a, a high lottery pick next year. Uh, uh, like Dave said, Duke has several players coming in to uh, next year's draft. Um, what's some other players um, besides, you know, the ones that we already know about that will be making an impact? You already mentioned a couple of players in the uh, first segment. Is there anybody else that we should be maybe taking a look at in this upcoming um, college year and in the G League that some of these players are going to be playing in? So one quick thing. So you look at this past year's high school, you had – so you had Jalen Durant, he reclassed up. But normally, you know, he would have been going into college next year. So yeah. the best bigs in that class were Jalen Durant, Derek Lively, and Khalil Ware. I think – so it was Lively first, Jalen Durant was second. Okay. I think Khalil Ware was third. Khalil Ware, he – he's one of those – he's going to Oregon. He's one of those – I think he could be – I think he could be one of those generational ones. His motor is a little – 
weird sometimes, but if he's engaged and focused, you're gonna you're gonna see you're gonna see a really really special player at Oregon next year, especially playing with Dior Johnson, the five star recruit point guard. I mean he he's a showstopper. He's a he's seven foot. He can shoot the ball from three. Strong around the rim, mid range. He has he can score on all three levels with the ball in his hand. So and he's a, and he's really really good defensively. Knows how to block knows how to block shots without fouling. I think he's gonna be. Um, a really, really good player for next year. I think I think he was rated the lowest out of those three big, but I think that he was definitely the most talented. Do older prospects in the draft scare you off, like Keegan Murray, for example? Does that does that make you nervous at all? I know there's the the, the, the gap as far as like you know development. An 18 year old is going to be right. going to make more strides by 21. But do, are are you worried about like a finished product uh, like Keegan Murray or or close to one? Um. I kind of I think it depends on a few things. One, what the play, what the team has historically done. So you look at Indiana. Indiana, they're a team where they typically don't tank. They typically try to stay decent to good for the most part. Also, they're not going to be bringing in many um, top net, top notch for agents, so they have to build the draft. A guy like Keegan Murray fits there because he's you know he's really low maintenance, he's calm. You know I don't see the limelight being something that bugs him. So that would be a perfect fit for him per se. But you look at a team. You know, Orlando, the Rockets, they probably going to want to go after some younger guys because that's just what they've done before. They've built teams historically due to draft. But they've been bad for a while. They've progressively have gotten good. You know, they might limit the free agent here or there, but they've built through the draft. So I think it kind of just depends on what the franchise is comfortable with. But in this draft, I mean, I think some of the guys here are really hit or miss. So you look at a guy like Obaji, he's older, but I know what I'm going to get from him. So in a draft like this, I would – I would do it because I know he's going to be a probably a relatively good three and D guy for me for the next ten years. Yeah, and, and it's another person that I wanted to ask you about that you probably know more about than a, a lot of us because we've only seen him play maybe a, a few highlights in high school is Shaden Sharp. So, right. what's kind of your opinion on him? Because there's a lot of mystery surrounding him. I know he right, didn't do right. a lot of the uh, things at the camp that some of the scouts wanted to see. So. What's kind of your opinion on Shaden Sharp and what you've seen following him, you know, the last year or two? And it's kind of telling not to interrupt that you didn't yeah. have him in your top five too, right? right. So that's kind right. of interesting. Right. right. He's um he's really talented. It's just, you know, I'm disappointed we didn't get to see him play at the college level. Yeah. I know last summer he, he dominated the EYBL. He is a year older. You know, you typically see those Canadian prospects. They typically are uh, just a, a year older than whatever age group they're in. Well, he's really talented, though. He, he can score. He's really athletic. Um, I think, I mean, I don't blame him. He's playing the mystery into his favor. There's no point of showing everything yeah. you have. That's not this draft because some, somebody's going to bite. Um, I would be careful with him because we haven't seen him play basketball in a year. Yeah. Yeah. You ever seen these little clips, you know, these little dummy defenders, they're not guarding anybody in those clips. That's that's purely <laughs> yeah. for him. You know, it's a highlight tape at that point. So I, I, w- I would be skeptical. I think he's one of those players. He's talented enough, but I think he would have to go to the right situation. I'm just looking at the mock draft here. The Spurs have him going there. They have a bunch of younger prospects at the same position. Yeah. I can see that being there because there's no need for him to play immediately. He needs to get reps underneath his belt. I don't think he's going to come in the league and just be – dominant he needs to like get on the floor as much as he can that's a great that's a great point i think that's the big mystery of the draft is yeah you know we don't none of us know what it is but at right. the same time when you're at the top of the draft you don't want to miss on that guy who could be the best player i mean let, right. it's all based on like you said right. rumors and mystery right. and you're like are we passing on a Jalen green or a, a michael jordan or, or what have you somebody who's really really uh talented but you know not measuring out not playing at all at kentucky 
um, I agree with you. I think those are red flags and kind of concerning. He wasn't even practicing consistently enough. So, I mean, you know, what, is, what does that mean? He was healthy as far as we know. I don't think, I don't think we saw any in, injury uh, issues. So he's not playing games. He's not practicing. Then we all – I thought that he was going to go back to school, but, you know, he decided to go the other way around. But yeah. I would – I would I would be I would be careful with him. Yeah, and I'm surprised Calipari didn't didn't you know sort of push for that because I, unless yeah. there was an injury or something, it just was. Yeah, I agree with you. Very surprising that you didn't play. Yeah, and, and I want to also ask you, what's the one player that a lot of people may be shocked that may jump into the top ten that a lot of people aren't talking about as far as being that high in the draft? Mm, the top ten. I don't know if he'll jump that high, but you look at Jalen Williams from uh, Santa Clara. I think that he has pretended to be really, really good. If he would have went to a bigger school, I think that people he would probably would have been a lottery pick for sure. He's, I think he won. I think he won Player of the Year at that conference. He's six um, six. He can he can really he can really pass the ball. He's really good in the pick and roll, and he did it with less talent. He dominated that conference, but no, nobody on that team is going to the NBA. You know, no offense, but for him to do that in that conference against the St. Mary's team, a Gonzaga team that has pros, that really stood out to me. And I got to watch him play a few times this year. His his rise is just it's crazy. I mean, right mm-hmm. now it, it's I'm laughing because there's a guy on Twitter um, named Madison that most mm-hmm. people who are watching the show yeah. will know. He's been talking about uh, Jalen Williams for really months, and, and we've all been just kind of like, well, mm-hmm. this guy plays at Santa Clara. Who knows what, you know, right. what's what. He's projected to be a second-round pick. And like you said, now he's he's sort of the charts, and, and mm-hmm. you know, the Rockets have to be seriously looking at him at 17. Right. I, as far as defense, are you concerned at all? With, uh, you know, he's got a 7-2 wingspan on a 6-6 six, six yeah. frame, which is insane. It's crazy. Yeah. But, like, you know, his obviously his feel for the game, his passing, that yeah. all checks the boxes when you watch him. But is, is his defense – I don't know enough about it, to be totally honest yeah. with you. Is it, do you think it could be good enough in the league? I think I think he has the tools. It's just going to be about effort. You know, can coach motivate him to get him to play defense? You know what I mean? At this point in the NBA, no one's really guarding each other for the most part. You know, you have a few guys <laughs> yeah. here and there sprinkled around, but nobody's really guarding each other. It's really about can you get a stop when I need you to get a stop. That's pretty much what it is. And I think he has the tools to do it. He'll come in there with a chip on his shoulder. He's a Santa Clara guy. People are going to ride him off from the jump. So I think he'll come in there – Motivate. I think that a motivated Jalen Williams is going to be a really good player. Yeah, he's he had all those viral clips of crossing yeah, over. Chat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, um, <laughs> yeah. I also like a uh, Bryce McGowan from Nebraska. I know. Oh, you do. I know. I know the the efficiency wasn't there. He was on a losing team. I mean, this Nebraska they haven't been good at really anything for a while. So I, I do definitely do understand that. But he's really talented. He he's. I mean, this was a dude especially coming out of high school. He was probably one of the more talented players in the country. And he really, really can score. He just, I think he just needs to be around better players to help showcase kind of off what, what he was. I think he's even, I think he's more talented. And you got to look at like Cameron Thomas. I think that he just has a little bit more stuff in this game okay. than Cameron Thomas does. And I think he's a little bit taller as well. So he's a guy that he'll be a second round pick, maybe a late first, maybe a playoff team gets him. And you can kind of just, he'll need some developing, definitely going to be better shot selection, but you could kind of, throw him in there at times and kind of see he might be able to provide like a decent spark for you off the bench. Would you put him over a guy like Jaden Hardy who went from two or three a year yeah. ago projected to now has fallen? Yeah. And and Hardy is interesting to me because he's another kid. He's really, really talented, but besides shooting and scoring, he doesn't really provide much. And for him to be so short, I would I would like to see a little bit more playmaking there. And he really struggled in the G League, especially, you know, the beginning yeah. part of the year. I know he got <clears throat> gradually better but 
for him to be however tall he is, 6'3", whatever he is, I would like to see him be able to pass a little bit more. But um, long term, I would probably go with Harker. I think he's just – I think he just might be a little bit more talented. But I can see Bryce long term just being better. I can see that he's bigger. Interesting. Yeah. And, and I want to come – before we I ask you about a couple of uh, current Rockets, I wanted to ask you – about a potential player coming into uh, the NBA, Marcus Sasser. Um, mm. He dealt with the injury. Yeah. He was out for a while. Um, when he first went to the uh, the camps uh, last week, a couple of weeks ago, he, he was still kind of 50-50 on whether he was going to go back to U of H or you know keep his name in the NBA draft. What did you see from Marcus Sasser? And do you think it's more likely now that he's going to probably keep his name in the NBA draft and go forward from there? Selfishly, I would love to see him. I'm a big college basketball guy. Selfishly, yeah. I would definitely would love to see him stay. But, I mean, he's played well. He's played well when he needed to, especially in the combine. He really showed that he can shoot it. He can score. He can be He can be a backup guard, and I think in the league, he can definitely come off the bench and get you buckets. I mean, he'll, he'll have to be, you know, the shot selection is going to be another issue as well. But when he gets hot, I mean, he shoots lights out. It's not, you're not going to find too many players in this draft that can get hot as him. And he can hit five, six threes in the game if you need him to, if you need him to do that. Yeah, this uh, as far as the current Rockets you were talking about, Lashard. Like, there's uh, we we've had a lot of guys. Uh, you know, we've had four rookies last year, and they have a fifth as well, mm-hmm. like Dacian Nix. And yeah. you know, I it's uh it's funny. I actually was re- recently speaking to the uh, Rockets beat reporter uh, um, Jonathan Fagan of Houston Chronicle. He says the Rockets view Dacian Nix as a lottery level talent, mm-hmm. um, which I was stunned by. But they just say because he's you know the way he played in in the the G League this past year that he's, um, you know, they, they consider him that high. Um, yeah. well, you know, time will tell if that's the case or yeah. not. But have you been able to watch him much this year? It, it, you know, his his play before, you know, in the G League yeah. a year ago and in this past year with the Vipers. Yeah, I've watched him play before. He's a good. He's a he's a he's a really solid good point guard. He's not. He just kind of kills you with the IQ. He's a really really good really good in ball screens. You know, he knows how to play. Um, I don't know if he's lottery level. He was one of those one of those kids. I thought that he should have went the college route as opposed to the G League, because sometimes you can look at him and Isaiah Todd, you only can go there once. And when you, if, you, if, it, if it goes well, you know, you're going to be a Kaminga, Jalen Green. But if it doesn't go right, you're in the G League, you're kind of getting bounced around. There's going to be players a little bit better than you. They're going to have, you know, just better chance. You know, GMs, GMs, they like to brag. They're just like you and I. Well, I'm, getting, I'm getting this kid from Duke. I'm getting this kid from UCLA. They like to brag about those things. You know, that, that means something to them. The kid from Kentucky, he might not be able to play, but just the fact that he has that name brand attached to his back it makes a big difference. So that's interesting. I think yeah. I think that a guy like him, I mean, this hindsight twenty twenty, but I thought that he should have went the college route, but he's here now. I think he is talented. He maybe someday down the line he could maybe be a backup like a Tyus Jones and find a you know a role for himself like that. Yeah, and just speaking of other current Rockets, of course, with Jalen Green, he had the slow start to the season. Um but he, of course, he, he started to come on as the Rockets yeah. finally started figuring out their rotation and he started getting more comfortable with the speed and the strength of NBA players. Were you surprised at all about anything that Jalen Green was able to do, especially at the end of the year where he's putting up 30 and 40 point games consistently? Or is this kind of what you saw when he was playing in the G League and even yeah. before he got to the G League? Is this kind of just a natural progression you were expecting from Jalen Green? I mean, he's I mean, he's he's mega talented. I mean, there's there's pretty much anything he wanted to do offensively, he can do. And you see what he was able to learn. It's a learning thing, you know. 
he's 18, 19, getting the keys to a franchise, you know, telling him to go play immediately. That's hard. That's hard to do. I think sometimes, you know, the one and done thing is made us want to rush them to develop so quickly because you've seen guys coming as rookies and they're all-star caliber players and things like that. But he able, you know, he took it on the chin. You know, he didn't duck from it. He had some injuries early, but he just continued to work, continued to work, and coach trusted him, and he got better. But, no, I wasn't surprised at all. I went to a couple of those games at the end of the year. I got to see him play in person. And to see his, you know, progression from game one to game 51 was just such incredible. So I think he's going to be a big-time player for the Rockets. They're just going to continue to add guys around him. I think he's going to be a good player in this league for a while. So before you got into journalism and, you know, and covering, uh, you know, basketball – was were you an NBA fan? Did you have a sort of a team, or were you just like I just love the game in general? Um, I I, def, I definitely love the game. I've always been a college basketball fan. College basketball is my favorite sport. Um, but I've always loved the NBA. You get to see those players play at the highest level. Um, I remember going to games as a kid, even early college. I got to go to the uh, USA the exhibition game when they came to Houston, just getting to watch you know Kevin Durant in person. That's just you know that's such really really cool to me. But far as Players, um, my favorite player in the league now is Damian Lillard. He oh. really, he really does um, upset me sometimes with his comments <laughs> and little things like that that he does. But <laughs> on Twitter and stuff, yeah, he's yeah. I, I, I I love him, but he just he really does he really does make me angry sometimes. But I hope that he, you know, decides to leave Portland at some point because he he. He he knows he he knows he, he does not he has nothing going on in Portland so hopefully he can free himself of that soon. This is their last ditch effort, right? I mean they yeah. they cleaned house and now they have to try to restock around him and it's I, tough. Matter of fact, most Houston fans would like to see the Rockets trade up from seventeen yeah. to seven where they are and yeah, give them yeah. guys like Wood and Gordon and. Yeah, yeah, well, they would love to give give rid of, give rid of yeah. Wood and Gordon. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they really would. But it's just interesting because Portland is in a, a mm. tough spot. It looks like they should rebuild, but they are staying loyal on both sides. Yeah. They're, they're, they're saying the, the right thing because they're supposed to. We're going to bring in a good freight. There, there's absolutely no way. They're, they're, I mean, they're going to they're gonna be picking in the top seven again next year because they, they, they just don't have any talent. They trade away all the time. They trade away Norman Powell, CJ McCollum, Robert Covington. I mean, when they, I mean, they haven't had a real chance of contending since Batum, Wesley Matthews, and Lamarcus Aldridge left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, we know them they, very well here in Houston, unfortunately. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They they haven't had the team to deem to do that. And I mean, and you know, hate to go on the tangent, but I don't know if he should have been on that top seventy-five list. I don't. I don't know if he should have been on that right. list. He yeah, I, I felt that way. Yeah, and I love him, but I mean, his his resume is. It's okay. I mean, he's yeah. an all-star a couple of times. I think he has four All-NBAs, yeah. Rookie of the Year. I yeah. Guess. There yeah. could be and some recency bias on that list, for sure. Oh, I remember yeah. the way yeah. it came yeah. up to 50 yeah. a long time ago. They had the same yeah. issue, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, resume is better than his. He, 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 wouldn't, he wasn't on the list. The White definitely should have been on it, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, Paul Joy resume is significantly better, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and speaking of the, the current NBA, I, I mean, I know you follow it. I want to kind of get your opinion on these playoffs that unfortunately past the first round has been yes. not too stellar. Uh, it's been a mess. Um, so, I mean, we, we already know about Golden State. They're back in the finals again. It seems like, you know, like they pretty much never left. And possibly Boston's joining them. Um, first off, do you think Boston wins tonight or do you see Miami pulling it together and uh, forcing a game seven? And if, if it is a Boston-Golden State Finals, uh, who do you have winning that? 
I think I have Boston. Uh, well, I have Boston winning tonight. I think I think their mind they're just too hurt. They don't have they don't have enough right now. I mean, Tyler Hero is banged up. Jimmy's playing hurt. I don't know if Kyle Lowry is going to play. He misses every other game. It seems like, but um, <laughs> yeah. and I think they'll play the Warriors. I think the Warriors will beat them. I would like to see a seven game series. I mean, the Boston. I mean, they have, they have a chance. They're they're bigger than Golden State, but just I feel like. Teams get tight when you don't have a ring. And, and the yeah. Warriors, they have a bunch of players on that team that have won multiple rings, and the moment's not going to be too big for them. So, yeah. but I will say this, if Boston, this is their one chance. If, if they can't win this year, they're going to have to make a move. I know they don't want to trade Raylan Brown, but they're going to have to. You you bring back a Chris Middleton Bucks team, I don't I don't think they're better. No. We'll see what Kyrie, if he wants to play, if he doesn't want to play. Assuming he does, you bring back Ben Simmons. Joe Harris will be healthy. I think they're better. So with that being said, if they don't win this year, they're going to have to make a move because this is it. This is the one chance I think they have realistically to win the title. So, and interesting. And based on kind of that logic, even if they do win it, I mean, if they win it, they're obviously yeah. accomplished. But if they want to repeat, they're going to have to make it. Yeah, yeah maybe some additions too based on that. Yeah. So, Definitely. yeah, that's a that's an interesting team. I'm amazed how they turned it around because the first yeah. uh, 20, 30 oh, yeah. games, it was like they, they were, were losing so many Bowling yeah. games in the fourth quarter, and for them to just uh, come together, you know, Ime Udoka has been a fantastic coach, right. and uh, their defense is just incredible. I, I think that if that's the finals, um, Draymond and Marcus Smart will be very entertaining <laughs> to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> there's going to be a bunch of ejections and texts, and, yeah, you know, fights and a bunch of everything else. No question, no doubt. Yeah, It'll definitely. We'll see who. Uh, I got to imagine at this point, Draymond Green got to be close to a suspension. Many Texas he's had during these playoffs, so I I would not be surprised at all about that. Um, Before we wrap it up, Tobias, again, I want you to let everybody know where to find all your great content. Well, first you can follow me on Twitter at Tobias underscore Bass. That's T-O-B-I-A-S underscore Bass like the fish. And um, you can find my work at The Athletic right now. We're putting out a bunch of good content with the – with the, with the NBA, with the NBA playoffs, you know, hockey's hockey's still coming around. The draft is coming around for the NBA, but we have a really good team. We're working really, really hard. Um, and go out there and subscribe. And there's not that much, you know. I would go out there and subscribe, and we have some of the best writers in the world and a great team and a great staff. So I would definitely go check out our work at the at the Athletic. Yeah, I subscribe to Athletic, and uh, and I'm I'm notoriously cheap. I don't usually do those things. So I'm just like, well, I tell you, what, you guys done a great job. Um, yeah. Sam Vicente's been like he, yeah, he was definitely great. the one that pushed me to the, like you yeah, know he's, he's like, and then so all reading all of you guys has been fantastic. There's always good mm-hmm. stuff on there. So like, thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah, yeah I mean, again, like I said, we've talked before on podcasts. We talked before, you know, on Twitter and. Definitely happy for you. Definitely deserve it. I mean, like I said, you were one of the most hardest working per- people I've seen, so you know, you. On, on sports Twitter. So you definitely deserve it. And of course, I'm always going to keep following you and mm-hmm. definitely going to have you back on, you know, mm-hmm. as the season sure. draft goes on. So definitely appreciate you jumping on. Yeah, anytime. Man. Yeah, anytime. Just actually, I'm, I'm down to come on whenever. Thanks, Tobias. Man, that was that was awesome. No yeah, for sure. Appreciate you, Dave. As usual, I'm sure we'll be doing a lot more of these. Um, Absolutely. With the upcoming uh, off-season into the new season. So, as usual, I, I appreciate you coming on. Oh, my pleasure, man. It's great to meet you, Tobias, and, and get, get this great insight. So, uh, it was awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You have a great podcast as well. This is a great conversation. I'm definitely I'm definitely going to listen to you guys and stuff and, you know, send it out to some of my friends as well. Yeah, definitely appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, that's going to do it for today's show. So, as usual, we appreciate everybody jumping on, and we're going to continue our, our draft coverage throughout the next you know several weeks going into free agency. So, we definitely appreciate everybody that jumps on every week. 
and we hope that you join us next week for the next episode of Rocket Fuel Podcast.